Good morning. This morning we will read from Deuteronomy, from Joshua and from 2 Chronicles. And we will consider two main directives from God's Word that are vital to healthy Christian living. Does that sound good? Yes, it does sound very good. So we begin at a crucial time for the nation of Israel. They are about to enter the promised land. This is in the book of Deuteronomy. And their leader Moses is soon to die and Joshua is to take his place. And the people renew a covenant in Moab with the Lord their God. And Moses is addressing the people for the last time. And so God's intention in this agreement or this covenant is to establish his people for himself, that he may be God to them. And just as he has spoken to them and sworn to their fathers, in other words, that God fulfills his promises. What a lovely God, a beautiful God we serve, that they would be his, that would be his intention in this covenant. So it says in Deuteronomy chapter 29, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 13. And it says it just here in this passage, that he may establish you today as a people for himself and that he may be God to you, just as he has spoken to you, and just as he has sworn to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Isn't that wonderful that that's what God wants to do in every believer's life, that he wants to establish you as a person for himself, for his kingdom, that he may be your God, and that just as he has promised in his word, he would fulfill it. Our God is good. And it says, and we're going to read from verse 14. I make this covenant and this oath not with you alone, but with him who stands here with us today before the Lord our God, as well as with him who is not here with us today. And verse 18, so that there may not be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turns away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations, and that there may not be among you a root bearing bitterness or wormwood, And so it may not happen when he hears the words of this curse that he blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace, even though I follow the dictates of my heart, as though the drunkard could be included with the sober. This verse 19 is actually a really powerful verse for us to consider. One thing it is saying is that the words that I'm speaking, Moses or God, the words that I'm saying need to be clear. They need to be um, evident to you of what God's standards are. If we're not careful, we can easily deceive ourselves, and also the enemy deceives us, into attaining righteousness with God in other ways. Also, it's a warning because in our human nature, we can quickly have our own standards. We can be self-righteous or we could follow our heart, as the world would say, listen to your heart. But that is incorrect thinking. That is an incorrect way of going about our life as a believer. The the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So that phrase here in verse 19, 19 is very important. That he blesses himself in his heart saying, I shall have peace even though I follow the dictates of my heart. This is similar to what Stuart mentioned this morning. That the people almost, they, there's no king, there's no leader, so they're a king unto themselves. They decide how they're going to live. But instead, our standard of what to follow needs to be the word of God, which we will come to this morning. 
So now we're going to read through, we're going to read through chapter 30. And there are two main aspects I want us to focus on this morning. God is imploring the people to do two main things in this covenant. So if God is imploring these two main things, and if he's repetitively mentioning them in his word, then we need to take note of them, and we need to apply these two responses to our own lives. Would you agree with that? And so we'll see them on screen in just a moment. The two main points I want you to take from this message and from this passage. Number one, obedience to God's word. And number two, and number two is really unpacked in many different ways. So this is not very concise, but of course it's very powerful. To love the Lord your God, to bring your full self, or as it says quite often, turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. It could be seen as similar to the, the saying of to incline your heart. To incline means to be willing to do something, to be of a mind to be prepared, to be disposed, or to have a tendency towards doing something. So we're going to um, keep these in the back of our mind. If you have notes, if you take notes during a message, you write down these two things. Point number one, obedience to God's word. And point number two, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So we just finished chapter 29 with verse 29. It says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. What a beautiful verse there again where it's saying, God is revealing great truths to his people in his word. So uh, chapter 30, the blessing of returning to God. Now it shall come to pass when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you. And you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. There we've heard it already. When you return to the Lord, when you obey his voice. According to all that I command you today, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul. That the Lord your God would, and we have many promises in God's word of what God will do when we are obedient to his word. That the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you, and gather you again, from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will bring you. Then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you, another promise, more than your fathers. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart, that speaks of a renewal and setting apart of his people and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. What point was that that I showed before? Point two, that you may live. Also, the Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies and on those who hate you, who persecuted you. And you... <clears throat> excuse me, and you will again obey the voice of the Lord to do all his commandments. What point was that that I mentioned before? Number one, you'll see scripture is repeating these two points in this passage. Verse nine, the Lord your God will make you abound in all the work of your hand, promise, in the fruit of your body, 
in the increase of your livestock and in the produce of your land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good as he rejoiced over your fathers. Verse 10, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law, point number one. And point number two, if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You see, the Bible, it is repeating these two points that I mentioned. It says it in in different ways at times, but it's meaning these two things. The choice of life or death, verse 11. For this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it down to us, that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. I like to think of this as this command is not too hard to understand or to attain. It is not mysterious to you. It's actually very clear in the word of God. God has repeated himself, or Moses has repeated himself that many times, that it should be very clear to the reader or the hearer. It is, as we can say in the saying, it is black and white to you. It's either blessing or cursing. It's either follow God or don't follow God. It's either do what his word says or don't do what it says. There's no sitting on the fence or lukewarmness. Even your children can understand this. You choose life or death. You choose blessing or cursing. You choose this or you choose that. Verse 14, but the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. Verse 15, see, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgments. There's again those two points in verse verse 16, and the promise that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. And again, it goes on to say, but if if your heart turns away, if you do not hear, if you're drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, well, then you're going to perish. Your days will not be prolonged. We'll read from verse 19. I call heaven and earth as uh, as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, Choose life, that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, point number two, and that you may obey his voice, point number one, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days. There's the promise. Jesus is our life. God is our life. He's the length of our days that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. So God has laid it all out for the people to understand. It should be evident and it should be clear. But the challenge remains for us today. There are too many Christians who live in defeat because they don't put into practice, they don't live out what this passage explains. They go from day to day in stress or anxiety or the cares of this world, or the focus, the pull of this world. They turn to idols, which could be anything which turns our focus and our attention off of God, away from Him, onto something else, something else that we love, spend our time and energy and focus on, that turns us away from God. 
They turn to all these other things, whether it be entertainment or other distractions. Instead of living out or doing these two responses mentioned in God's word, which we have just read. Obedience to God's word and love the Lord your God. God's will for us is that we would know his word and obey it or do it. The only way that we're going to know his word is to read it. I encourage you, this year is still young. We're in mid-January. However, as many of us would know, the years go by very quickly. Don't let another year go by in your life where you are busy with the things of this world and in doing so, in your busyness, that you neglect the daily reading of God's word. Let, let there be an inclination of our hearts to read God's word and to follow his ways in 2024. You see, the work of sanctification in our lives is an ongoing process, and we need God's word to guide us in that ongoing process. Proverbs 4.18 says that the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. We go through a process of becoming more Christ-like. We are working out our salvation with fear and trembling. We are applying God's word, and in doing so, the light of our lives keeps shining brighter. It's that work of sanctification in us. So if we were to go backwards in the book of Deuteronomy, shortly after Moses tells the people the Ten Commandments, he repeats the importance of loving the Lord God and obeying his words and that the promise or the blessings will come as a result. So in your Bibles, you can go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And it says this. Again, we'll see these two main points If they could go on the screen, those two main points before Deuteronomy 6. Obedience to God's word and to love the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 6. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments. So there's point number one, which I command you. You and your son and your grandson all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it. In other words, to do it, to follow it, to obey God's word. That it may be, the promise, well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Isn't God good that he's, he's making it very clear to the people that if you do this, there's a beautiful promise, a beautiful blessing on your life. Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That's point number two, which we've been mentioning. I want you to listen to the following verses. Moses unpacks not just the importance of God's word in explaining how vital it should be to our daily living, but also how we can make the word of God a part of our daily living. So verse 6, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently. So it's not just a teaching, it's a teaching with diligence. To your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. 
You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We could think of it this way in our daily living today. If we were to paraphrase those, those four verses that I just read out. God's word should be in our heart. We should teach it diligently to our children throughout the whole day. We should talk of God's word and God's ways in our homes while we eat dinner, while we're out and about, while, while we're in the car on the way somewhere and on the way back. As we're doing the things we need to do, going to the shops, going to school, etc., we should be speaking of God's words and God's word and God's ways. Such is its importance. As it is bedtime, we could be having a time of prayer and of reading God's word. And when morning comes, God's word should still be on our mind and on our lips. Because it is so vital to our lives that it, it is as bound on our hands. It is as written between my eyes and it is as written on my life. What a testimony of our life if we could say, I have lived out those verses in raising my children and in my own life. The message puts it this way. I don't particularly read the message, but I thought it could unpack these verses in a different way for us. Verse 5, love God, your God, with your whole heart. Love him with all that's in you. Love him with all you've got. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you and then get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. So we, ha we have these two points repeated, as I've been mentioning to you this morning. Firstly, to obey God's word. And secondly, to love the Lord your God. It's come out all throughout these pass passages in Deuteronomy. If we were to, to look at, for the sake of time, we won't look at it, but uh, Joshua chapter 1, when God speaks to Joshua at the start of his leadership, God again mentions these two points. He repeats these two points to the new leader of Israel, Joshua. Again, for the sake of time, we won't look into it, but uh, you can write down the verse, Joshua 1, verses 7 to 9. But then if we fast forward in the book of Joshua, let's look at the other side. We've been looking at the blessing that will happen when you follow God's word. Well, let's look at what happens to the people when they don't follow God's word. The Israelites have actually just seen the victory at Jericho. And the children of Israel then commit a trespass regarding the accursed things. That's what it says in the word of God. But in other words, they disobeyed God's word and they sinned. And the result of this is they're defeated. So we go to Joshua 7 verse 6. Then Joshua, this is after the defeat, Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought these people over the Jordan at all? To deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? We can be so much like Joshua, can't we? 
because here he is crying and moaning about the defeat, saying, we were fine on the other side of the Jordan. Why did you bring us here? But he doesn't understand that the people didn't see victory in this area, in this battle, because they disobeyed God and they were living in error and sin. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived. And they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turn their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed things from among, among you. Get up, sanctify the people. So in this part of the story, we see the end result, what the end result will be for God's people if they choose the path of the world, if they choose the path of sin, if they ignore God's word and do things their own way. This is defeat. They're doomed to destruction. So we've seen now both sides. As God said in his word, he made it very clear to the people, if you do this, there's blessing. If you don't do this, there is cursing. But let's fast forward again, and now the people have entered the promised land. They've been victorious and have had rest all around. So the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh are about to return to the land of their possession. And this is what Joshua reminds them. And he says, take careful heed. And if someone comes up to you and, and says, take careful heed, I think you would suddenly be ready to pay attention. It must be a very important thing. If... You're about to go overseas and someone gives you life advice and they want to say one important thing, then let's listen to what it said. Joshua 22 verse 5. But take careful heed. This is Joshua speaking to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh. But take careful heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the law, commanded you. To love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. And really, there's six main points in this passage, which is unpacking those two points with a bit more detail, which you'll see them on the screen in just a moment. Joshua is saying, but take careful heed to do the commandment of the law, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, to love the Lord your God, they're already the two points. He's going to keep unpacking them. To walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Even Joshua is now at length. This is what he's learnt from Moses. This is what, he, what God spoke to him. And now he's telling these people of God, do this. Take careful heed to do this, because if you do this, it will go well with you. It is the summation of what we've read earlier from Deuteronomy and earlier in Joshua. Those two main points are unpack unpacked in a very practical way for us. And indeed, one aspect of loving God is to obey his commandments. So although I'm separating them as two main points, we could merge them as one. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. So obeying God's word is showing your love to him. We show our love towards God, a loving with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our strength by knowing God's word and doing it. It's as simple as that. 1 John 2 says, Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, 
and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Jesus is our example in all things, and we know that Jesus studied the word of God. He studied it from a young age. In Luke 2, it says, After three days, his parents found him in the temple, and he was sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. So here is the Son of God. But as a child, he was learning the Word of God. He was listening to teachers. He was asking questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So now let's look at one last example of someone grabbing a hold of these two principles which we've been looking at. Obedience to God's word and loving the Lord your God. In 2 Chronicles 34, we read of King Josiah. He is one of the last kings before God's people are carried away as captives to Babylon. The temple is burned and Jerusalem's walls are broken down. He is one of the last kings. The kings before Josiah are listed as either doing evil in the sight of the Lord or doing what was right in the sight of the Lord. If doing evil, there could be a a number of reasons why they're described in this way. However, it's often because, what do you think? If they're described as an evil king, what do you think they didn't follow? God's word. And they often turn to and worshipped other gods. That's not loving the Lord your God. They turned to other gods in idol worship. If they're described as doing what was right in the sight of God, the Bible unpacks why that is so. But I'm sure you can work it out yourself. It says often that they did according to all that their father David had done. They discard or turn from foreign gods and from idols and pagan worship, and they have an obedience to God's word. 2 Chronicles 34, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. We heard that phrase in Joshua, if we read Joshua 1, we would have heard that phrase where God says to Joshua, do not turn aside to the right hand or to the left, because it speaks of a steadfastness, it speaks of a surety a direct and a certain pathway, that you're only going God's way, that you're only going and following God's word, that you're not straying to the things of this world. For in the, And this is verse 3 now. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. What a wonderful picture we get here of a teenage leader, the king of Judah. Josiah becomes king at how old? Eight. Is there any eight-year-olds in here? There you go. Killen, eight. King Josiah was king at eight. And then in the eighth year of his reign, what's eight plus eight? When he was 16, he began to seek after the Lord. Josiah, how old are you? I was hoping you were 16 for a while there. That's all right. I'll forgive you. He's 18. But Josiah, when he was 16, a teenager, a young boy, 
he began to seek God. Young people in here, teenagers, is there anyone who's 16 in here? I won't embarrass you. We have at least one 16-year-old. We have two. We have three. Can I have four? We have three 16-year-olds in here. Teenagers in here, you're never too young to read the Word of God and to seek after God. See, God does not look down on you because of your age. God can meet anyone at any age they're at. And he can do a great work at your, in your life. You know, some people who've met with God from a young age, we, we know Esther was young. We don't know how old, but she was young. David was but a shepherd boy when he was seeking after God. Timothy, the young preacher and evangelist. And of course, we're reading now about Josiah. You see, when you're young, you have plenty of time. You have a choice as well of how you're going to use your time, just like all the oldies in the room have. God does not look down on you because of your age. God looks at your heart, just like he did with David. You have wonderful opportunities to listen, to ask questions, to learn at a young age, because it's actually easier to, uh, to learn when you're younger than when you get older. And it's easier to memorize the Bible when you're younger than when you're older. Would you agree with me? Yes. You know, the verses that you memorize when you're young stay with you for a lifetime. They really do. And you are able to learn and understand God's word at whatever age you're at. You know, throughout my childhood and throughout my teens, I would regularly, regularly read God's word. And there were times when I would read the Bible and I didn't understand it. I would read things and, and I just couldn't piece it together. And this would frustrate me. But then I would pray and I would say, God, help me to understand your word. Help me understand what I'm reading. And you know, that doesn't happen instantly. It's not like I woke up the next day and suddenly understand those passages. But over time, God shows himself as faithful. You know, someone might have explained it to me right away. And I go, oh, wow, that's, that's incredible. I, I didn't understand that. Or maybe it was many years down the track after faithfully reading and praying that you go back to passages and chapters and you, it suddenly comes alive to you. You suddenly understand it because you've grown in wisdom, you've grown in stature and you go, wow, thank you, Lord, that all those prayers I prayed as a child, as a teenager, you're answer, you've answered them because now I understand those things I didn't in the past. So young people don't grow weary or frustrated or tired of, of reading God's word. If you don't understand it, read what you do understand. Live in the Psalms, read what you can, and God in time will reveal his word to you. So returning to the story of Josiah, he didn't stop at seeking God. He didn't stop at that point. You see, because in seeking God, there has to be a removal of sin. There has to be a removal of the sin in our lives. There needs to be repentance. So that's why in the 12th year, he begins to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places. What that means is he's getting rid of the idolatry worship, the pagan worship, the carved images, the molded images, because he's basically saying they're false gods, there's only one true God. Verse 14. So oh, just before that, Josiah removes the idol worship, which was something that is opposite of the two points I've mentioned. And then he sends a group of men to repair the house of the Lord. And something extremely significant occurs here. Verse 14. Now, when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. 
I wonder so many times when I read this, why was the book of the law just hidden in the corner of a room? Let's not hide our books, uh, sorry, our Bibles in the corner of rooms gathering dust, because that's what was happening here. The king was seeking God at 16, and yet he still hadn't read the word of God. So then Hilkiah answered and said to, to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkai gave the book to Shaphan. So Shaphan carried the book to the king, bringing the king, king word, saying, All that was committed to your servants they are doing, and they have gathered the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have delivered it into the hand of the overseers and the workmen. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkai the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Imagine hearing the word of God for the first time. You see, God's people didn't have access to the Bible like we do today. The Old Testament was recorded on manuscripts or scrolls or parchment, maybe even on clay or wooden tablets. It was the role of the king of God's people to pass on the precious book to his son and to his grandson so that the future kings would pass it on to those to come. Like Moses passed it on to Joshua, like David did to Solomon. So what is Josiah's response when he hears the words of this book? Because people can hear the word and they can be blind to what it says. They can have a hard heart to what it says. People can read the word of God and be apathetic and not respond and not do anything. But let's listen to Josiah's response. Thus it happened when the king heard the words of the Lord that he tore his clothes. You know, we don't do that in our culture now, but back for the Jewish people, it was an outward expression of the state of the heart a public and powerful expression of grief or mourning. And Josiah says, Go inquire of the Lord for me, and for those who are left in Israel and Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord. You see, the kings before Josiah mostly were evil kings, who allowed the people to do whatever they wanted. The word of God was hidden, gathering dust. So Josiah knows that they've been living in error and in sin, but he wants to do according to all that is written in this book. So they go and inquire of a prophetess. Verse 23, the prophetess answers them and says, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, tell the man who sent you to me. Thus says the Lord, behold, I'll bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants, all the curses that are written in the book which they have read before the king of Judah, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods. In other words, the people have lived in error. They're going to suffer the consequences because they haven't obeyed my voice. That's what God said already in his word, didn't he? He'd already declared it. And unfortunately for the people of God, they've lived so long in sin and rebellion that there's actually no other option for them. I know that because it says it, in chapter 36, and the Lord God of their fathers sent warnings to them by his messengers, rising up early and sending them because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. You see, God is true to his word. The people of God are, punished, are going to be punished and face the wrath of God. But there's also a powerful truth or distinction to be made. God is true to his promises. What did he promise for the one who would obey his word, who would seek after him with his whole heart? We read it before. 
Promises like it would be well with you. You would have good success. You'll have full and good long days. But as for the king of Judah, you see, we don't need to worry about what others are doing. What are you doing? But as for me, I will serve the Lord. See, God fulfills his promises and his words towards Josiah. But as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, in this manner you shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, concerning the words which you have heard, because your heart was tender. You see, Josiah responded when he heard God's word. His heart was tender. He humbled himself. There's a response in Josiah. He doesn't reject God's word. Let's have humble hearts. Let's have tender hearts when we read the word of God. It goes on to say that Josiah will have peace in his days. So what's the king's response then? He's heard what will happen in the future. He's heard what what will happen to his own life. Then the king sent and gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites and all the people, great and small. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which he had found in the house of the Lord. So he reads out God's word. Then the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul. That's already point one and two mentioned before. To perform the words of the covenant that are written in this book. And he made all who were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin take a stand. So the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. Thus Josiah removed all the abominations from all the country that belonged to the children of Israel. So he's removed the sin from the land. And made all who were present in Israel diligently serve their God. We get a beautiful testimony of the leadership of Josiah. And really it's a good lesson for us, all us fathers. As king and as priest and as a prophet in your home, we should actually be doing similar to what King Josiah did in his leadership. And on screen, I think we'll see those points as we near an end. So these are the points from verse 29 on. Josiah is king. He gathers everyone together. Fathers, you can gather those in your home for a devotion or you gather together because the next thing they go to the house of the Lord. They go to church as it were for us today. They read God's word in their hearing. We should be reading God's word in our home. He stands and he makes a covenant with God to follow him. As leader, this is what I'm going to do. To keep his word and with all his heart and with all his soul and to perform the words of the book. He makes the people present take a stand with him. He removes the sin. He removes the idolatry. And he showed strong godly leadership in having those under him diligently serve the Lord their God. And as we read about the life of Josiah, what stands out is in that last verse, all his days, they did not depart from following the Lord God of their fathers. What a beautiful testimony of his life as king. And that should be the testimony of our life as parents and as children of God, that all our days we did not depart from following the God of our fathers. What do you want the placard of your life to read? Or what is read now by others of your life as a living epistle? Is it someone who knows the word of God and who doesn't just know it but lives by it, that obeys God's word to do it? Does your life tell others that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
and with all your soul and with all your strength. If you just stand for a moment as we finish and just block out distractions because we're still in the presence of God, we're still considering how we can apply this to our lives in the weeks and months ahead. You might like to close your eyes to block out distractions. Friends, this year is young, but time goes quickly. There's a saying, the days are long, but the years are short. Let us take hold of ourselves and be people who prioritize the reading, the meditating, the memorizing, the studying, and the living on God's word. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Let your life say that you did what was right in the sight of God, that you did not turn aside to the right or to the left, because then you will be prosperous and then you will have good success. In this living, you will find true life and peace. You will have access to the full promises of God to live victoriously. When you do what God's word says, the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. They are for you and your children. It will be well with you. You will live out God's call and desire for your life. If we just think, when God, after he gave the Ten Commandments, he said to Moses in Deuteronomy 5.29, Oh, it's like God crying out. He knows what's going to come, but he just says to Moses, Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep my commandments. See, it's actually God's cry for his children because he knows that's the good thing. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep my commandments, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. And you know, my prayer for all of us is that, as Psalm 119 says, I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever to the very end. Oh, Lord, I pray that Victory Life Christian Church in 2024, can, that we can look back and say that we inclined our heart, Lord, to you and your ways, oh God. That there was an inclination of our heart to serve you with our full self, oh God. That there was an inclination of our heart to perform your statutes forever to the very end, oh God. Oh, Lord, that our lives would say that we did not turn aside to the right or to the left, but that we read your word and knew it and we did what it said. Oh, Lord, that we loved you with our full self, oh God. That we loved you with all our heart and with all our soul, with all our mind and strength. Saints, if you need to respond, the altar is open this morning. Lift your hands and worship him just as we finish this morning.